0: Welcome, dear friends, to the Manhood Hour. It wasn't quite the uh, Vladimir Putin of yore, uh, shirtless on the back of a horse with a hunting rifle, but um, he looked healthier than I expected and I think did run uh, rings around his interlocutor. Not exactly my idea of manhood, because killing innocent people because they write nasty articles about you I don't think is what masculinity is all about, but... Here's a little clip I'd like our guest to comment about uh, before we get down to the nitty-gritty of who he is and what his definition is. Here's a little reminder of um, one of the mm, maybe embarrassing moments of the interview, Taka with Vlad. Who blew up Nord Stream?
1: (laughs) You for sure. (laughs) I was busy that day.
0: (laughs) Nate, I was busy that day. The only thing more embarrassing was that, than that. Did you catch it? Because Tucker didn't respond. I'm not surprised he didn't. He said, Putin said, I- I'm so glad you uh, changed your mind about working for the CIA. Because that's a fact. Tucker did actually uh, try to get into the CIA. Strangely, he didn't comment on that. Let's analyze that and so much more with a good friend of the show, an individual who... um. Well, he's made his mission one of the most important things that a man can do, which is to fight for the vulnerable. Jason Jones, welcome
2: to the Manhood Hour. Sebastian Gorka, it's a privilege to be on your show, especially on the Manhood Hour. All right, so I didn't, you know, rehearse it
0: or plan it in this fashion, but you're the perfect guest, not only because of what you've seen in war-torn Europe for the last two years... Uh, But also what you've seen in Afghanistan, uh, the arrival imminently of your new book, which is perfect timing. We'll talk about that as well. But as somebody who um, served in the uniform of the U.S. military, who's about the same age as me, who remembers the Cold War. Could you give us your take of um, what happened in that two hour interview in the Kremlin, Jason?
2: Yeah, I I felt like I'd spent, you know, one hundred twenty dollars to watch a Mike Tyson fight, but, you know, it went 12 rounds and there were no punches thrown. I was, it was definitely not what I had expected while at the same time I'd watch, I've watched it three or four times. And so there's a lot, there's really a lot to unpack and, and the, each time I watched it, it became more interesting. But what, if, I don't know if I'm seeing things, but when I first saw that clip, I, and there were several times in there where it was as if Putin was toying with Tucker and implying that he was a stooge of the CIA. Um I I don't know if I'm reading too much into it but but that's what I saw and th- and that clip that you just saw there and then Tucker said I have an alibi He's, yeah. <laughs> which was was clever Yeah. Uh, And and then, of course, when he said that he's
0: lucky that you didn't join the CIA. All right. uh, Let's let's talk about who you are. uh, Jason Jones, Uh, you're the founder, the president of the Vulnerable People's Project, vulnerablepeopleproject.com. Tell us about your background and uh, what you did for a living before you do what you do today.
2: Yeah, I really basically only had uh, three or four jobs in my adult life. I I Dropped out of high school the day I turned 17 and had the privilege of joining the United States Infantry. So when I went to basic training, uh, I served for one day under President Reagan. I was sworn in under President Reagan um, before uh, H.W. took office. And in basic training, everything I stabbed or threw a grenade at had a hammer and sickle on it, every silhouette I ever shot. So I joined during um, the Cold War, and I still can probably tell you every Russian tank and um all of their armor but um, the be
0: the beat uh, the bmps the btrs all the stuff i had to learn in the british army oh what's yeah, that silhouette that's a bmp1 yeah. that's a zsu 324
2: right exactly yeah so i i i joined in the, in the cold war and i was actually we were on we were a rapid reaction unit to be deployed to the philippines during a coup and i was on guard duty we had emptied the armory and um I watched the falling of the Berlin Wall as my unit was preparing to deploy to the Philippines. But I, um, I was a soldier, and it was as a young soldier that I realized that I wanted to spend my life. I realized two things. My mother had me at 16. You know, I was a high school dropout. But I realized through my service as an infantryman that I was very privileged. And in my deployments, I, I saw what it was like to for fathers. This is the manhood hour. So I'm going to speak very plainly, as strange as it might sound. I wanted to serve fathers. I became a father myself at 18, and I wanted to serve fathers who were placed in impossible situations to protect and care for their families, and that's where I conceived this idea of the Vulnerable People Project that would run influence campaigns or do relief efforts where other organizations wouldn't go. went to the University of Hawaii, um, founded the Vulnerable People Project immediately after grad, grad school. And uh, now we've been doing this um, for almost 25 years. But I also make movies and I write. But really, all of that is ancillary. If I'm making a film, if I'm writing a book, it's to do. Our mission is very simple, to stand between the violent and the vulnerable, to protect the vulnerable by inspiring solidarity and promoting human dignity. So if I'm making a film, we want to exemplify the beauty of the human person or to inspire solidarity with the community. And we make short films, narrative feature films, Um, But it really all sort of um, is ancillary to the work of the Vulnerable People Project.
0: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400.
2: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now,
0: 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, so I want to talk about all of those things in the hour we have with you. Um, I want to talk about why I have a massive lump of coal in my studio that you gave me. You'll, you'll explain that in a second, but help me with one thing, because I know you're a a Christian. I I know you're a conservative. I know you're a patriot. I know you've worn the cloth of the republic. I know you go to war-torn battle zones right now to help people who are suffering, innocent women and children. Can you explain to me why we have people in our country who support President Trump, who say they're patriots, but like Vladimir Putin and support a KGB colonel. Have you have you worked that out? Because I don't understand it.
2: Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. You know, a lot of my friends, uh, a lot of the supporters of my organization, are baffled by the stance that I take. Um, and I, wanna, I want to I want to really try to understand the motives and, 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 and understand that they're sincere. What I think is when you see the Department of Justice or the FBI weaponized against you when all of the heroes become shapeshif- shapeshifters, to use film writing, link lingo, uh, when all of the heroes become villains, um, you become insecure and you're looking for a hero. And I think that the Russians have been very savvy in appealing to anti-war conservatives who are ignorant to the fact that Russia's actually had more wars than we have since the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, they look to Russia... As a defender of Western values, how an Eastern country is defending Western values strikes me as odd, or of Christendom, um, where Putin, we hear about what Ukraine has done to the Moscow-aligned Orthodox churches, which pales in comparison to what Putin has done to the evangelical church and to the Catholic churches, not only in occupied Ukraine, which has been vicious and brutal, but in Russia— so I think they're just ignorant like that history lesson that Putin gave. I think that I think the interview is mostly for domestic consumption. I didn't anticipate that. I thought he would cleverly try to more aggressively ingratiate himself with sort of like the disenfranchised right. I think what he did though was confuse them even more, especially when he uh, doubled down on his relationship with Xi and telling us we don't need to worry about the CCP and G is his good friend and partner. Yeah. So that's going to be something that's going to be very hard for them to sort it out. Um, I, I just think it's a, a, they're looking for a big man to be in their corner. And, and not to, to, to promote my book, but when I talk about the great campaign against the great reset, what I'm really talking about is the body of Christ. And so I look as a Christian— I, as a baptized Christian, as a member of the body of Christ, and I believe it is the role of the body of Christ to promote freedom, promote human dignity, to promote prosperity and security, to serve the most vulnerable, not only in our own families, in our own neighborhoods. Um, you know, 70% of Paul's appeal to care for fellow Christians was for the persecuted church um, at that time, like a world's away, you know? So, uh I think that they're looking for a big man. And one of the things I'm trying to communicate to the right is you don't need to look to Putin. You don't need to look for a big man. You are part of the body of Christ. As a Christian, you you have enough and you can work where you are.
0: Yeah, it's uh, don't look for somebody else to be the leader that you are meant to be. That's part of being a man. We're talking to Jason Jones, founder and president of the Vulnerable People Project, vulnerablepeopleproject.com. The book that is imminent to be published, you can order it right now, is The Great Campaign. Against the Great Reset. If you enjoy the Manhood Hour, the deep dive with the real experts, the true newsmakers, make sure you subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America first. Leave us a five star review. Share the links with your friends. And if you want America to be secure again, if you want us to prosper again. Then get the America First gear all available at SebGawkerStore.com. The latest is Donald Trump did nothing wrong. Fly the flag above your home of I stand with 45, SebGawkerStore.com. And you can support him directly at DonaldJTrump.com. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and which to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because... Tax Network USA learned of a special limited IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. Schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty cancelling offer. Call 1-800-245-6000, 1-800-245-6000, or visit tnusa.com slash gawker. What is the uh, the secret to being healthy? Yes, you've got to exercise. Yes, you've got to eat right. But what if you've been carrying around excess luggage for several years? I can relate. Uh, I could hide it, but you know it's not good. I'm six foot three, being 268 pounds was was not healthy. What did I do? I talked to Dr. Ashley Lucas and her amazing team at my PhD weight loss. Thanks to her team. I lost 42 pounds in just a matter of months. My wife, Katie, lost 36. Uh, My executive producer, he just started it, Mr. G. He's lost almost 20 pounds in three weeks. No scary injections, no pills to pop, just a system that lets you eat five times a day and burns the fat. I'm wearing a size 36 blue jean right now. I haven't done that since my 20s, and it feels great. If I can do it with my sweet tooth anyone can find out today how it can work for you just the before and after pictures at my phd weight loss are, are everything you need to know call them on 864-644-1900 myphdweightloss.com that's 864-644-1900 myphdweightloss.com com. jason where did you learn what it means to be a man who were you copying who did you idolize um and what are the words the adjectives that come to mind when you're trying to explain to your children uh, what a real man is
2: that's a that's a deep question um you know i had always been looking for mentors my mother had me as a teenager my father was 18 and joined the army i didn't really get to know him until i was six or seven um and I would say that as a young, as a boy and as a young man, and even in the military, I had always looked for men to look up to, but they wouldn't be a complete version of a man. They'd sort of have this sort of, you know, in one way, they'd be a great example of what it is to be a man, and then another way, they might fall down. Um, so that was, I was always looking for mentors. Um, so I, I really looked, as a young person, I thought, if I can be very plain, I thought, to be a man would be to be strong, to be violent, to be promiscuous, and this is the way I behaved. You know, as a, as a young man, I wasn't a Christian till I was thirty, and I, it was through my work as an atheist in the pro-life movement and being around Christians that I started meeting men. And I remember the the moment where I sort of had this uh, epiphany that all of the things that I thought made me a man um, were things that were the exact opposite of what it meant to be a man. Being a man isn't being violent or being short-tempered. Being a man is, is being meek and being kind and being gentle. Now, you know, when uh, someone threatens your family or your community, that meek man expresses virtue in another way, but to the women and the children, um, the elderly, to the people you meet in your daily life, they should feel safe and they feel kindness, but this was something that it, it took me um, a long time. So I would say as I was developing, and still am as a 52-year-old developing, I really want to be a kind—my prayer every day is to be kind, to be gentle, to be humble, to be meek. And one day it struck me, the reason that's what I'm praying for, those, those are the places where I really fall down. So it was becoming a Catholic in my early 30s, looking to saints like St. Saint Maximilian Colby, um, St. Joseph— uh, and then the Catholic men in my life, I really began to see the model of what it is to be a man. Well, unfortunately, I had habits and temperaments and uh, and all of that to, to overcome and just our nature. But yet, so to me, where does the example of being a good man come from, as cliche as it sounds, and as if I'm running for office or something, <laughs> it would be Jesus Christ. And it would be to those men who looked to Jesus Christ as who they wanted to, to to form their life. There's a Catholic saint, St. Escriva, who says, he said that may when people look at you, they know that you've read the life of Christ. I think about that a lot, because oftentimes I think people look at me and they would think I never heard the name Jesus Christ, let alone read his life. Um, yeah, and, and in my work at the Vulnerable People Project, I work with these communities that are vulnerable, whether it's in Afghanistan or Nigeria or Sudan, um, Ukraine. I met a gentleman in Ukraine days before he died, and I, uh, he was the leader of the pro-life movement in Western Ukraine. A young man, young man, looked like a movie star in his mid-20s and became a Special Forces soldier, was actually away at school uh, outside of Ukraine. The day of the invasion, he returned. And, and a few days after we met and spoke at a conference together, he was killed on the front. So through my work in serving, quote-unquote, vulnerable communities, I've met great examples of what it is to be a man. And I I learned something, that the vulnerable are not weak. They're strong people placed in impossible situations. And through my work, whether I'm working with priests in Nigeria, I have a priest we work with, Father Victor, who runs VPP Operations in Nigeria. He's kind. He's long-suffering. I gave him a little bonus for Christmas. And what did he do? He emailed me with all of the retired, elderly, and sick people in his community. He used the bonus that I gave him. Uh, to bless others in his community. So I would say in my work, also, I meet really great examples of what it is to be a man.
0: Well, I'll have to say um, I've known you because of the media work you do. And I can attest that you are a kind and gentle man. When I actually heard, I think it was during an interview here in the studio that you former infantry. I, I didn't want to believe it for a second because you don't you don't give that vibe off, as the kids say today. So, so you have achieved that. Just t- tell me very quickly. You said you were an atheist doing pro life. How does that happen?
2: Yeah, well, I don't I don't want to open up too much on the show. I don't know if the format w- w- would want it, but. You know, my first memory is maybe one or two years old, was my grandfather beating my grandmother bloody, my first memory. He was a very strong, brutal man. Remember, my mother had me at 16, so he was a young man in his mid-40s, and um, was a railroad man, was a power lifter, um, and he had a very rough childhood that allows me to forgive and understand his brutality. But as a young man, and my mother was married a few times, in the chaos that entered my life, my desire was always to be a strong man like that was my desire i wrestled seb i, I spent half my free time in boxing gyms and kickboxing gyms or doing mma or jujitsu i've been going right from this interview to go do muay thai i, I live in boxing gyms and, and this comes back from my youth i wanted to be a strong man well at seven, 16 i got my high school girlfriend pregnant she told me two days before my 17th birthday on my birthday i went down to the recruiter's office. I knew from a friend of a program for high school students that they could get their GED in Georgia, which had a very easy GED, we were told. So on my 17th birthday, two days after my high school girlfriend told me she was pregnant, um, I joined the Army. And a few weeks later, I was off to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. While I was in basic training, she, she was hiding her pregnancy from her father. So my whole life, I wanted to be a strong man so I could protect my children, to protect my wife. Um, I dreamed of being a strong man with a peaceful home and a refrigerator filled with food. And my high school girlfriend's father found out she was pregnant. He beat her up and took her uh, to get a forced third trimester abortion.
0: Wow.
2: As a boy who never went to church, pre 24-hour cable news, I never had. We didn't have cable in our house. Anyway, I didn't know about abortion. It was like something that never flitted through my mind until I found out that my child was destroyed from abortion. So here I was, a young atheist, actually. Um, I had adored Ayn Rand, like uh, Found Head and Anthem. Hold, I never like
0: hold, hold the hold the story there. I want That's to continue it. it. Uh, just make sure you never miss anything we have to say. Make sure you're following us on social media, all the usual platforms. Just look for Seb Gorka or Sebastian Gorka, and don't forget my Substack as well. Did you know that eighty four percent of New Year's resolutions fail in the first six weeks? That's got me thinking about PhD weight loss and nutrition and why it was a success for me. Why I haven't gained one pound of my 42-pound weight loss back. Why, Jeff, my producer, decided to start the program. Most people blame their failure on a lack of time, motivation, and a loss of zeal. PhD makes it simple. It doesn't take a lot of extra time. They are masters of motivation. You have a team of coaches by your side the whole time, and you don't lose your zeal because every week you make great strides, so you stay excited. Do something different this year and call PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition, 864 1900 to get started, or online at myphdweightloss.com. Don't do this alone. The number, 864-644-1900, myphdweightloss.com. If you enjoy America First, please support those who make it possible. Great patriots like Mike Lindell, friends of President Trump. You know what they've done to him. Fox have banned him. The best advertiser. Why? Because he's a friend of the president's. That's why. That's why Paul Ryan had to get rid of him uh, to celebrate Fox being such idiots. Not only will you get up to 66 percent off his items, more than 200 items on his website made in America for you. He'll give you free shipping, no matter how much you order, no matter how big it is, including one of his mattresses you get it shipped for free because you're listening to me. There is no better deal. Call today. Talk to a human being. Don't buy that Chinese garbage on Amazon. 800-829-8468, mypillow.com. That is 800-829-8468, mypillow.com, promo code G-O-R-K-A. So there you are, a young man. You lost your child through a forced abortion. What does that do to you? What do you decide to do next?
2: I became a very young soldier. I remember thinking the world must not know abortions happening, and I'm going to tell the world. So I was just a very angry young man. I was in the infantry, and my off days, I would go door to door in the housing outside of Schofield Barracks in Hawaii. You have to picture a blonde, you know, a six foot two, blonde hair, blue eyed, seventeen year old that looked kind of like I was a kid in PX clothing, which is tacky in those days. Um, going door to door in these neighborhoods, talking to people about abortion, that it's legal and we should make it illegal. I didn't have a very sophisticated pitch. And I would give my desk, I lived in the barracks, I would give the desk number to the folks I was talking to. Well, it turned out I was knocking on the doors. The first neighborhoods I hit were plantation workers from the Philippines who were very pro-life. So I thought this was going to be a very easy job to end abortion. One of them gave my number to someone at Hawaii Right to Life who called me, I called my desk, it called the front desk at the barracks. And uh, before cell phones, and I was shocked that there was a movement. I remember, like, there is a movement of people <laughs> doing this already. You know, this is 1989, and I know it sounds probably hard to believe. And it was just, like, the best news I ever heard. You know, it was like, the Calvary is here. And uh, that's where it really began for me. And but because it didn't come from religion, to me, abortion was just killing a, a child. It wasn't distinct from any other way to kill a child. It was just you can kill a baby. And, and I, on my first deployment, my very first deployment, still 17 years old, at my duty station for maybe six weeks. And it was just a, it was a training deployment called Cobra Gold. They do it every year. It's in Thailand. Yeah. And, you know, we were doing a force march somewhere really remote. And there was a young man leaning up against uh, an old man, an older man leaning up against a fence, holding his teenage child who looked like he weighed 35 pounds. And I'd asked the uh, interpreter, Uh, What was wrong with that boy? He said, he probably has malaria. And I just remembered seeing the look in the father's eyes. And the look in the father's eyes was how I felt. This was just, you know, maybe three months after the phone call. And that's when I knew what I wanted to do. And initially, as a soldier, I was gung-ho and really into being a soldier. I thought about being a Green Beret. And um, what what a a wonderful way. But I remember having this thought as a, a boy, and I have a lot of friends that work with us now at VPP who are former Green Berets. Like, you really thought that as a nineteen twenty year old infantryman? And I really did. I remember thinking, I'll be the most uh, beautiful instrument in the hands of baboons. I don't want to be in the hands of baboons. <laughs> that was my thought. And uh, my captain had worked with me on creating a plan on how to order my life to serve the vulnerable. And we mapped out a 40-year plan that began, had to begin with college, because here I was a high school dropout. And, and I went to the University of Hawaii and, and then... And then it was there through the pro-life movement, was very involved with the pro-life community in Hawaii. Um, and then at the University of Hawaii, I became very involved. I founded the Pro-Life Student Union, and then I would use the Pro-Life Student Union to do anti-CCP protests, to do protests with other like ethnic communities that were there that were trying to bring attention to their ethnic cleansing or whatever they were doing. I would try to bring the pro-life movement, or I was chairman of the College Republicans to bring them together, and I realized If I can bring the conservative movement in, um, the pro-life movement, which has really become the most powerful, uh, diverse social movement in the history of our country, if you really think about it, not that we've weaponized or mobilized that influence to great effect, but we we have to some great effect. Um, Here I am in my mid-20s at the time thinking, I want to do this. I I, I wanted to get the pro-life movement to stand with issues that are like and commensurate to abortion, ethnic cleansing and genocide. And that's where um, the Vulnerable People Project was born. We'll we'll talk about all the countries
0: you're active in, vulnerablepeopleproject.com. That's vulnerablepeopleproject.com. And also uh, an absolutely incredible film that you invited me to for the pre-pre-premiere that I think informs... mm, everything you've just said and i wish everybody listening to the show uh, has the opportunity to see it and then of course we have to squeeze in a discussion of your book i don't know if we have enough time today it's crazy Vulnerablepeopleproject.com. i'm sebastian Gorka. this is the manhood hour uh, what's your role in all of this can you fight do you have to create organizations host a national show no you can do one very simple thing to make a difference if you have a cell phone Stop funding those who hate you and hate your values. Did you know the big cell phone providers donate millions of dollars to causes like Planned Parenthood every year, to gun control foundations, to organizations who are trying to cancel conservatives? Don't fund your enemies with every call you make and every text you send, switch today to the only Christian conservative cell phone company in America. It's the one I use. It's called Patriot Mobile. You keep your old number, keep your old phone, or get an upgrade. You have free activation with my name, and you're with a conservative company that loves America like you do. Special discounts for veterans and first responders, and you won't be funding America's enemies. Switch today. Call 972 patriot We'll go to PatriotMobile.com slash G-O-R-K-A. That's 972-728-7468, PatriotMobile.com slash G-O-R-K-A. Switch today. Call right now, 972-PATRIOT. Are you tired of not getting a good night's sleep? Well, my friend Mike Lindell has created the perfect solution. He didn't just top out the pillow, he also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, made from the world's best cotton called Giza. These sheets are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. And now for a limited time you can get fifty percent off the Giza Dream Sheets with prices starting as low as twenty-nine ninety-eight in a variety of sizes and colors, and have a sixty-day money-back guarantee and a ten-year warranty. Go to mypillow.com and click on on the radio square and use promo code G-O-R-K-A at checkout. You can also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper and the MyPillow towel sets. Don't wait any longer to get the best sleep of your life. Call 800-829-8468 or go to MyPillow.com now and use promo code GORKA. That's 800-829-8468 or MyPillow.com, promo code G-O-R-K-A. If you enjoy the show we provide for you three hours a day, but it's just not enough, how about this alternative? What are do you doing July fourth weekend? I, with my bride and with some very, very special guests, we'll be cruising in the most beautiful state of the Union for the Patriots Alaska Cruise, June 29th to July 6th. If you missed our trip to Israel, it was me and 350 of our best listeners, and it was incredible. Well, then you've got to come on this trip. It's a little bit closer to home. It's going to be majestic, beautiful, reveling in the creation, that God's beauty that is Alaska, and surrounded and talking to hundreds of your fellow patrons who love America. And we'll get to know each other. Join us for the trip of a lifetime. Check out the itinerary. Book your cabin tonight. 200 cabins already gone, sold. Okay? So hurry, hurry, hurry. SebGorka.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A. com. The Patriots Alaska Cruise. Alright, I got way too many questions. I swear we're going to talk about your book before we finish. We have to also explain in the last segment why I have a massive lump of coal on on, on my uh, shelf behind me. But First, uh, you gave an answer nobody's given before. We had one person say, I my, I am informed by how to be a man from what I learned from the Holy Mother, from Jesus' mother. That was um, our, our good friend Matt Schlapp, and it was an amazing answer. You said Jesus, which is <laughs> just as good uh, as saying his mother. But we have these kind of conventional wisdom versions of Jesus, right? Uh, either he's the hippie, nice guy, rabbi, and not God, or he's this super f- peaceful, uh, you know, beatnik who is, you know, uh, slap me on the other cheek guy. I don't subscribe to either of those. For me, he's my Lord and Savior, and he's not a beatnik, and he's not a peacenik either. What, what is it about Jesus for you that makes him your exemplar of manhood?
2: Well, it was that scandal that kept me from even looking at the New Testament to read the New Testament, because I thought Jesus was some sort of beatmaker hippie. And I would call the Christian clubs on campus, I'll be your friend if you be my friend, the club, because I felt that they weren't (laughs) built around any sort of virtue or shared interests. It was just like, I'm lonely, you want to play volleyball with us on Saturday. Um, But, you know, reading Sartre, Nietzsche, and Freud, I was really grappling as an Ayn Rand objectivist to develop her anthropology, which I felt she didn't have. Yeah. And I was an objectivist. So um, it was it was really Sartre and Nietzsche that blew up any hope for human the idea of this concept of human dignity without an appeal to revealed religious truth. And that's when I looked to revealed religion for the first time with an open mind. And I remember when I got to the New Testament, I started in Genesis and read more or less You know, there were some chapters, like I would just flip through like Leviticus and Numbers, but um, more or less straight through. And when I got to the Gospels, and really Paul's letters, it was not at all what I had anticipated, and I felt kind of upset, like, why didn't you people tell me who this Jesus Christ really, who who this Jesus Christ really was? And then as I began to study, the the men that looked up to him as an example, Franz Jägerstatter, the Austrian farmer who refused to take the Hitler uh, loyalty oath and could have at any moment avoided being murdered by the Nazis or St. Maximilian Kolbe or St. Francis Xavier or St. Francis. So, you know St. Francis was a gladiator, was a fighter, would do effectively the UFC of his day. And as I began to see who Jesus was, um, because I wanted to be a strong man, I was offended by passivity. I was a- offended by moral relativism. Um, I used to say to Christians, they would, they would say, "Well, you shouldn't judge." To me, when I would do pro-life events on campus, I'd say, "Who said that?" They would say Jesus. I'm like, Jesus really should read Plato and Aristotle, <laughs> because you can't borrow a concept, you can't steal a concept to refute a concept. So, when I read, you know, that's not what he said. Take the board out. Do the the, the hard work of taking the board out of your own eye, so you can do the charitable thing of taking the speck out of your brother's eye, of your neighbor's eye. So, yeah, it was that sort of that masculinity, that manliness. Um, That's what impressed me. And you say you bring our Blessed Mother. I pray the rosary every day with people all over the world um, on on Facebook. And we're about to right after this interview, I'll be praying the rosary. And so it's also through, of course, I look to Mary at the foot of the cross and the pieta holding her son, who is God and man, across her lap as the model of what I want to do as an organization. I want to be with people when they 're abandoned when the crowds have left, um, when it takes courage to stand there, when even the best friends of those people have left. I want to be there, and that's that to me is the example of um, of of the blessed mother
0: uh, we We have to dis- explore this uh, again this side of of who Jason Jones is, but in the meantime, will you give us a little tease of your up-and-coming book so everybody can pre-order it right now, The Great Campaign the great Against the Great Reset? And, and it, it gels with what you've been saying because this isn't just about the Great Reset and the WEF and politics. Your book is about Mother Church, is it not?
2: You know, we don't say that explicitly, but The Great Campaign really is the body of Christ. Uh, against the body of Antichrist. I, I, I don't say it that way because we want to reach a broad audience. But that's exactly right. As a Christian, as a baptized Christian, all of us here, were priest, prophet, and king. And I aim it at a, at a younger audience, you know, these high school, college-age young adults who—the um, battle is really for them and for our posterity. And it's the battle they're fighting for their life. And I have an open introduction to them. You know, it's the uh, Adventure of Eros— um, Expl- explain,
0: explain that, because when people hear the word eros, they, they usually have a misconception. Why are you writing about that in this book?
2: Yeah, I mean, really, the adventure of erotic love. And I, and I mean that in two ways. Uh, loving God. You know, when you look to Scripture, God's love for us, he uses the language of, of for a spouse. Yeah. And um, so we, we really need to love God. And but I mean, for young people especially, the adventure of, of finding a spouse, having children— that we have allowed them, and it's not their fault, we have allowed their moral imagination to be obliterated by pornography. Um, they, the, the app dating has been utterly catastrophic. You have large communities of young men that identify as involuntarily celibate. Yeah. You have 8% of the men on these apps sleeping with 90% of the women on these apps. Yeah. The reason I call it the adventure of Eros is it's gonna be challenging. It's gonna be challenging um, to be a good man, to be a good woman. And but they should look at this as a great adventure. The Great Reset doesn't only want us our property; um, they don't only want to surveil us. The most the most important thing is what they want, and that intimately is they want your heart. Yeah, they want their heart. And this generation is is careening towards decades of sadness and loneliness and despair. And so I wrote this book. We deal with gnosticism, the climate cult, anti-humanism. We deal. We we offer. Uh, the Christian principles of Christian personalism, Imago Dei, um, the natural law that there's a transcendent moral order, subsidiarity, solidarity, humane economy, is the antidote for what the Great Reset wants. But to me, what is most important is we help young people reclaim their heart and go on this adventure to love their parents, to love their family, to love God, to preserve their moral imagination, um, to recover their moral imagination, to experience romantic uh, authentic humane erotic love to become married to have children and to order their lives to serve their posterity this is we do this it's it's very simple love your parents love god preserve your moral imagination so you can experience romantic love get married have children and order your life to your posterity it sounds very simple but it's very challenging when you've been looking at pornography since before puberty You've, you're as the young people call it. I even hate saying it out loud. Their their body counts are something that a sailor in the 1970s would have dreamed about, yeah. and they're not even 21 yet. Yeah. So it's going to be a challenge. But G.K. Chesterton said, "An inconvenience, rightly considered, is an adventure." So they are been given the wonderful opportunity of going on this great adventure to experience the love of God, the love of neighbor, and to experience the love of marriage and the love of being a parent.
0: Uh, To order your life toward posterity. Just that one sentence tells you everything we need to know. When is the book out so we can get you on to discuss it uh, in detail?
2: I appreciate that. April 16th.
0: April 16th. Pre-order it now. The Great Campaign Against the Great Reset. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is The Manhood Hour coming to you from the ReliefFactor.com studios. Relief Factor. It's real. It works. It is liberating over a million Americans right now from their daily pain. I am one of them. Yes, I had a low back pain issue that plagued me for nine years, almost a decade. I heard of Relief Factor... I took Relief Factor. Two weeks later, I was pain-free, and I'm still pain-free. I love saying this. As of last month, it's true. Five years later. That's incredible. That should be your story. There's only one way to find out, but it's super easy. Order the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do, and I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, it will work for you like it works for me and over a million of your fellow Americans. Don't wait another second. You have nothing to lose. Well, apart from the pain. The number. One eight hundred four relief. Reliefactor.com. Write the number down. Don't wait another nanosecond. One eight hundred four seven three five four three three. Reliefactor.com. Reliefactor.com. All right. I don't think we've uh, touched upon everything. I wanna ask, I wanna mention the Mother Cabrini movie, but let's let's talk about this for a second. Why do I have a massive piece of coal on my bookcase in my studio,
2: Jason Jones? I'm flattered. That you, don't ask me. I do subcontracting for St. Nicholas, and he asked me to drop that off at your office. <laughs> I'm a good so, boy. Come on. Well, we only give coal to good people. Through the Vulnerable People Project, we have distributed, since the fall of Afghanistan, over 100 million hours of heat. How do you distribute heat? Obviously, it's through coal. It's through wood. It's through other fuel, mostly coal. But through our Call for Christmas campaign, it goes to the widows and orphans of our Afghan allies who were killed in action, to our Afghan allies who are still in Afghanistan. When we've expanded the Call for Christmas campaign to serving with the church in Mongolia, Christians from Mongolia, so you, we see you're doing this in Afghanistan. Can you please support us too? So we just started in Mongolia, but we founded it to serve the widows and orphans of our allies, who, uh, those men who fell. What is it to be a man? It's to be uh, faithful to your friends and to be yeah. faithful to their families.
0: Um, and very, so, very quickly, how many nations is the Vulnerable People Project in?
2: Oh, I mean, almost 20. You know, we're in almost 20, and it's sad. You know, um, it, we've we've been in strategy sessions uh, for several weeks now trying to figure out how we can begin, because we don't go out there looking for people to serve. Yeah. Communities have, hear about our work, and they, they solicit our support. And whether we're working with the Dalit uh, Catholic community in India, Christians and Jews in Nigeria. We're securing the last 10 synagogues in Nigeria. We're protecting religious minorities um, and girls' schools in, in Afghanistan. We have armed guards and cameras protecting them from ISIS. So wherever we get requests, our most recent request was in Cebu in the Philippines. They were, there was a recent horrible terrorist attack. And the the community, the Dalit community in India, reached out and asked us to help with their orphan epidemic. So we get all of these requests, and we never want to say no, um, but we always have to go fundraise. I tell I, you know our team. I, I tell our team, you know, we we have all the money in the world. We just keep it in other people's banks, and sometimes they don't give it back when we ask. Um, so it's it's uh, you know we're growing. Um, sadly, we're growing because it seems over the past three years we've done more work in the past three years than the previous 20.
0: Sad. Please support this man and his team, vulnerablepeopleproject.com, vulnerablepeopleproject.com. All right. Uh, talk to us about this movie uh, that you invited me and my wife to. It's Cabrini, based upon the true story of America's first saint that everybody thinks is Anne Seton, But it's not. It's this Italian nun, turn of the century, who ministered
2: to the orphans of New York, correct? That's correct. She is... She built more hospitals or schools, the sickly Italian nun uh, built a religious order around the world that built more hospitals and schools than the Carnegies, than the Mellons, than the Rockefellers. And this is a look at the Italian-American experience in the 19th and early 20th century, and it was harsh. But the director, Alejandro Monteverdi, also directed Bella, a film that I was a producer on, and Little Boy and Sound of Freedom. He has something uncanny. He's an immigrant from Mexico who loves this country more than anyone I've ever met. And so he looks at, he looks at the Italian-American experience through the, this beautiful saint, Mother Cabrini, in a way that just makes you love the United States of America even more. It's not woke nonsense. It's an authentic, beautiful look. Um, I, the only film that I can compare it to, when I first watched it, it was Titanic. And I, I, I don't. What I mean by that is, it's beauty, it's grandeur, yeah, it's,
0: it's beautiful. In the
2: film industry we call a four quadrant film. And the last truly four quadrant film I've ever seen was Titanic, and we saw the success that that was. This strikes me as a four quadrant film, and it's a beautiful film of an American saint and of America. And it comes out March eighth. And I didn't want to like it, Seb. I'm jealous, and envious person. Like I was a producer on it, and my partners made it, and uh, so I went in there and said it's the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. You know, it's,
0: Yeah, uh, and the thing about it is it, it's beautiful in both sense of the words. It, it, it's beautiful spiritually, and it's also visually beautiful. I mean, some of the shots in there are absolute uh, Oscar, Oscar-worthy, Oscar beautiful compositions. All right, can't wait for that, the Cabrini movie. Can't wait uh, for your book. You can pre-order it right now. The book is The Great Companion, uh, The Great Campaign Against the Great Reset. We've been talking to Jason Jones. This is The Manhood Hour. Please check out his website, vulnerablepeopleproject.com. A man is measured by his capacity to protect the vulnerable, as is a society. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel, watch your six, hold the line, never give up, never give in, and stay frosty.
1: Our fathers brought forth upon this continent...
0: What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev,
1: tear down this wall.
2: I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people... And the people who knocked these bills... This is America First, with Sebastian Gorka.
1: Finally, with respect to our recommendation to the Department of Justice, in our system, the prosecutors make the decisions about whether charges are appropriate based on evidence that the FBI helps collect. Although we don't normally make public our recommendations to the prosecutors, we frequently make recommendations and engage in productive conversations with prosecutors about what resolution may be appropriate, given the evidence. In this case, given the importance of the matter, I think unusual transparency is in order. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case.
0: Well, that's really weird because you're not a prosecutor. You're the director of the FBI. So how do you get to make that decision, James Comey? 13 minutes of listing all the felonies Hillary Clinton had committed with her unsecured server and the transmission of top secret information on an unsecured network. And then in the last minute, he says, oh, no need to prosecute. Not at all. Does that remind you of something we heard in the last few days? Welcome, dear friends. You're listening to America First with me, Sebastian Gorka. No monologue today because we have a far too important guest to help us break down what on earth is going on with special counsel Robert Hur. He's the man we rely upon for reportage from the swamp. He is the editor-in-chief, the founder of JustTheNews.com, and a good friend of America First, John Solomon. Happy Monday. Happy
1: Monday. Maybe not for Joe Biden, but it's happy Monday elsewhere. <laughs> All
0: right. So we, we made this list of like 48 different things we have to squeeze into the first 11 minutes of the show. Let, let's start right, with, let's with we'll try. Well, let's start with special counsel. Her the 388 page report that said, yes, he committed crimes, but he's senile. So I'm going to decide for the jury that we're not going to have a jury.
1: It sounds a lot like what James Comey tried in 2016. No. Yeah, the difference is her has the prosecutorial discretion to make the decision. Comey didn't, right? Comey was an agent, an FBI uh, director. Her, of course, he gets to exercise the prosecutorial discretion. And his discretion is that Joe Biden is too mentally demented to actually prove to a jury that he had intent when he violated classified laws by keeping documents and in some cases sharing classified information. With his goat or ghost writer, uh, and uh, listen, I think at the end of the day, whether there was a charge or whether there was this report, both are damning yeah. to Joe Biden. One is his mental acuity, which I think now almost 90% of Americans question. He doesn't have the mental acuity for a second term, according to the most recent poll. But more often, he, he this is a man who demagogued on Donald Trump's classified documents. He had just as big a and bad a problem. And uh, he gets off just like Hillary Clinton got off. And uh, if you remember, go back a little bit earlier to a story I broke in the 1990s and early 2000s. Sandy Berger, Democratic National Security Advisor to President Clinton, while he did get charged, he escaped prison for literally stealing documents by stuffing them into his socks and pants and trousers and trying to secret national secrets out of the National Archives. So Democrats have a long, twisted history with failing to protect classified information. And the only consistent storyline is they always seem to escape any serious penalty.
0: But does this not mean that the documents case against President Trump kind of collapses at this point, unless we do have a two-tier system?
1: Well, listen, his lawyers have said it. I think um, uh, Alan Dershowitz has said it. Many other legal experts have said it. President Trump now has a very strong case to argue that there is, he's being treated differently under law, that there's unequal protection under the law, because Joe Biden and him are accused of doing something similar. In, ca- in the case of uh, Biden, something more serious, because Biden actually affirmatively shares classified information with somebody who's not entitled to it. Then not only keeps it, he's sharing it. I think you're going to see one of those um, unequal protection uh, claims uh, show up in the courts pretty soon. Certainly the legal experts expect it. yeah, that could cause the case to collapse. Perhaps, um, in the next few weeks. We'll just have to watch and see what happens.
0: All right, we want to talk about some of the breaking news regarding the mega church uh, shooting in Texas. But yeah. before we get to that, let, let's kind of tie uh, that report, the, the whole Biden crime cartel, with the news that uh, Bobolinsky, who was really the kind of frontman for Hunter Biden's various enterprises, is about to testify or, or, or give some kind of testimony behind closed doors. How serious, for those who aren't familiar with this person, how important is Tony Bobolinsky? to understanding the biden cartel
1: well listen he starts to uh, fly secretly alongside the Bidens in 2015 when this china deal is first um uh let he's involved with some of the people who are trying to put it together so he has visibility at the origins of the cefc china energy deal which is one of the most controversial deals because the biden family gets millions and millions of dollars in 17 for not having done any work successfully and uh tony Bobolinsky said back in 2020 to the fbi and to the news media hey the payments in 2017 were really for work that occurred in 2015 and 16 when joe biden was still vice president they were simply deferred and the democrats assailed him all of their allies in the media assailed them and then Rob Walker came along a couple of days ago, one of the Biden's longtime business associates and family friends, and said, Oh, no, that's true. Uh, they, the money was for work done in 15 and 16, and the payments were delayed until after Joe Biden got out of the presidency. So Bob Alinsky's credibility is A-plus solid uh, based on all the new evidence. And I think he's going to give some really significant. Uh, insights into what it was that China was doing. Listen, China was using the Biden family to take our energy resources and send yeah. them back to Beijing. Yeah. And I, I, that hasn't—that must be driven into the American public consciousness. So that's important. I want to make one connection between Robert Herb and impeachment. There are three documents that Robert Herr identified in the appendix of his um, uh, records that were classified that uh, Joe Biden kept. Uh, All three involved Ukraine. One of them involved Ukraine's energy resources, something that would be incredibly valuable uh, to Hunter Biden. The other two involved conversations Joe Biden had in December 15 with the prime minister of Ukraine. Oh, the very month that Joe Biden begins the effort to change U.S. policy and fire the prosecutor in Ukraine by withholding a billion dollars. Those are the only three classified documents from Ukraine that he had. Uh, Absolutely, the impeachment inquiry is going for those documents. All right. Uh, that's why we have John on the show. So, uh, follow him
0: at J. Solomon Reports. Watch him every night at Just the News Not Noise at 6 p.m. Eastern on uh, RAV. The book is Fallout. Nuclear bribes Russian spies and the Washington Lies that enriched the Clinton and Biden dynasties. Uh, we've got two minutes left with you, John. Uh, we have this story yeah. out of Texas, the Joel Austin megachurch. Yeah, sure. A uh, trans woman uh, walks in there with a rifle, I think with a child as well or a child is injured. Two law enforcement, off-duty, uh, law enforcement officers neutralize the threat. Uh, I have this image from Fox News, which kind of boggles the mind. It's a Chiron that was about 20 minutes ago. FBI, too early to determine shooter's motives. I guess the free Palestine slogan emblazoned on her <laughs> rifle was too complicated yeah. for the G-men to interpret. What, what do we need to know about this shooting, John?
1: Well, listen, I I think, first off, this is a person that's had a long criminal record still back out in the street, though. Uh, All these uh, blue cities keep letting people back out onto the street. Secondly, uh, a male identifying as a female, we saw that in Nashville. This is the second shooting in in less than a year where you have that sort of uh, dynamic. And the third is all this vitriol that the left has dug up on Palestine against Israel, the anti-Semitism, hatred for Trump, uh, it is driving people who are potentially unstable to these sort of acts. And I think that that's something the left doesn't want to own up to. And, oh, this is a person with uh, prior criminal convictions. What are they doing with the gun? I haven't heard CNN on the gun kick this time. Why? Because the, the, uh, the shooter matches a profile that CNN and the left tends to be sympathetic with. So we'll have to watch and see whether they cover that. Seriously, this is a person that should not have had a gun. Yeah. This is a person that clearly had some issues. Uh, terrible. We'll, we'll, know, we'll know the motive soon, and we'll get to the writings and readings. But it's pretty obvious if you put free Palestine on your gun, that's one of your motives for having your gun around.
0: Yeah. Uh, Something stinks. Uh, How quickly will the mainstream media drop the story? Uh, We know that the real journalists like John and his colleagues won't. Please follow him right now at J. Solomon Reports, justinnews.com. Thank you, John. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. If you enjoy the deep dive, the long form, the third hour of the show that you don't really get nowadays, then make sure you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you are. Just plug in my name on the platform of your choice. Leave us a five-star Review and share the links with your friends. And if you want sanity back in the White House, if you want prosperity and safety, check out all the America First Gear. Tell the world who you are at SebgorkaStore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A-Store.com and support the president directly at Donald J Trump.com. This is America First.